Welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio. I am your host, Sean Fry. I've got Josh Robertson, the head coach of the Parsons Vikings baseball team. His first time in studio here. Always excited to have uh, a new fresh face to see, uh, just to expose all the vulnerabilities. Josh, welcome to the studio. Welcome to the show. How are we doing today? Uh, We're doing great. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on the job. You replace a legend in his own right in Gerald Beermore. Had some very good successes with that Parsons baseball team. You you inherited a program that was not in a bad place at all. They were coming off an 8-11 season. Uh, but it was, a, but obviously a tough schedule. They were competitive, and you had a young core of talent. Tell me about, uh, take me through your process of obviously your interest in the in the job to replace Gerald Beermore, uh, the application process, what kind of stood out to you, and maybe your reaction to when you found out you got it. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I have most respect for Gerald and love what he was doing. Uh, before I took the job, we were I was. I uh, was doing a couple of travel teams, younger age group in Parsons. Those kids are now freshmen and eighth graders. And he was always there with us, always supporting us. I mean, he's still supporting me now. I mean, he's mm-hmm. still, he's a baseball guy. Let's yeah. just, let's just, I mean, he just loves baseball. I'm always, you know, I'm always on the phone with him and talking mm-hmm. and have a lot of respect and, you know, very good mentor of mine. So he really interested me in wanting to actually coach at the high school level. So and just move up, and he's been great at it. So I love it. I love it. Well, it's, it's been great. Uh, you know, when you when you took over the job, obviously you got it right around winter time. I think it was what January, February. It, it, it was it was January. Yeah. yeah so yeah. not much time until the season. Obviously, you were familiar with a lot of the kids. I'm sure a, a lot of the obstacles that a lot of first year coaches will face just weren't there for you. The time, but the time was probably its biggest one. Just the the quick turnaround to get all the infrastructure of coaching a high school varsity team set up under under you. Uh, what was maybe the, big, the some of the more difficult parts, the more difficult aspects of just turning the program into, uh, you know, getting uh, inheriting the program mm-hmm. over that short time span. Uh, so the short, just, yeah, the short time span was actually just meeting with the meeting with my players, mm-hmm. them getting to know me, just. Trying to build a relationship real quick, um, especially because they're they were in the heart of basketball season. Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, it was hard to meet with them, and I had a couple kids that weren't playing basketball. You know, we had that first baseball meeting. They got to know me, got to know what I was about, and everything. And it went on to practice, and it was just getting us to gel more. You know, j- mm-hmm. just as a team. Like they've been there for a while. Me, uh, Mike Ramsey's new new assistant baseball yep. coach. Um, he's he had to learn the same thing. Luke obviously being there helped out a ton because he had the familiarity with them and he just understood all the little things that high school mm-hmm. baseball, the infrastructure really involves. And mm-hmm. so that, that was a tough place for me, but uh, it was a tough month, but it was a busy <laughs> month, but it's turning out great so far. Uh, you know, you've, you worked a lot in the uh, Babe Ruth ranks here in town and in the travel ball. I'm curious, kind of now, and now that you're a high school coach, you, you've seen almost the entire age spectrum of of a kid that'll play baseball, so to speak, uh, at least while they're while they're a kid, mm. uh, and a lot of what that encompasses is dealing with parents and guardians and families. Uh, what is a you know. I can sit here on this radio show and tell you, be like, hey, I, I think parents have gotten out of control in recent years. I think it's gotten worse, blah, 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 blah. And, and we can go down that cliche route. The, the question I have for you is what are some strategies you've you've developed in 
dealing with all parents, not just some of the more difficult ones. How does what what's the what are those strategies in you know creating that cohesion with families and not just the players to try and maybe mitigate some of the more jagged edges you might find with certain people? So dealing with that, um, I think the best way that has worked for and I mean just at all levels is creating expectations expectations that I, I before the season starts when I was in travel ball and even to this level was just you know expectations I expect from the players mm-hmm. expectations that as a coach they can expect from us coaches mm-hmm. and then expectations of the parents and there's a list there's a there was a there's a book we signed you know went through had the meeting they have that handbook and they mm-hmm. know the expectations and I think it's a lot easier if you just set the expectation, you know what what we expect from mm-hmm. everyone, and as well as us coaches, so you, it makes it go. So you write up at least like a handbook for yes, for your yes, teams. Yes, yes, yes. I, I write up a handbook. It, it's a uh, yep, mm-hmm. and so it has a list of all the players' expectations, all the parents' expectations, and all the coaches' expectations. I and understand just, you don't have the whole book memorized. What are some examples of expectations <laughs> for all the parties? Okay, so uh, for players' expectations are just a. Uh, be intentional. It was mm-hmm. is the very first one. I, you know, when, when we're here, we're practicing with a purpose. We're mm-hmm. here to get better. Um, another one is leadership with my upperclassmen to my lower classmen, underclassmen. It's just so when they're playing JV, th- my upperclassmen are in the dugouts. They're mm-hmm. working with the kid. If you're a catcher, Tate Phillips is my catcher, and this is a perfect example in Gerard. Um, during the JV game, he understands the signs. He's calling the signs to my JV catcher. Yeah. They're building a relationship. They're understanding everything. And so that just showed that we have to have more leadership and be more disciplined, you know, and that's 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 a big thing to me is good ball clubs, as you've seen, state championship teams, it's not really the talent. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, the, the, it's the cohesion. It's the cohesion, the yes. Yeah. Yes, and so... That's kind of what the culture we're trying to create here yeah. to set. Um, with us coaches, we um, every player has value. That's one of the biggest things. Every player has value, and what they can expect from us coaches is that we're going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. We're going to be yeah, we're going to be transparent, and we're never going to badmouth or do anything, talk down to a kid. We're going to you have value. We're going to talk to you and build a relationship as a par- player and coach. And I'm sure part of that, too, is, you know, every player has value for the players who may not see the field as often. I'm sure you find a way to give them value. Yeah, yeah. It's some sort of yes, role, yes, some yes. sort of responsibility. And, and, and you know it right there. Everyone has a role. Yeah. And on a team, everyone has a role. And it's just them defining, you know, understanding, us defining it and understanding what their role is. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, like you said, that everyone has a role in, mm-hmm. on our team. And everyone understands their role and knows their role. Good deal. Uh, I like that approach, and that's something, you know, it's funny. I've never kind of heard it phrased like that, but it makes sense. I think if you not laid lay down expectations <laughs> has a certain militant tone yeah, to yeah, it, yeah, but yeah. if you establish expectations in a transparent manner early on, that creates a framework to operate within, and if you're outside of that, you can point to that and say, <laughs> hey, this is where you're outside of it, and yeah. you're not just dealing with things as they come left and right, and... That's what creates inconsistency and inequity throughout. Um, look, going one thing I heard a lot about you, and this is a big reason I wanted to bring you on the show. Is I just wanted to talk shop baseball with you a little bit. Uh, 
is when you got hired, a lot of what I heard from people in the community is he is obviously he loves baseball. He's going to be great with the kids. He loves the X's and O's sides of it. He mm-hmm. loves the the strategic aspect of baseball. First thing I got to ask you about is that 35 run game at Girard that you win 20 to 15. And tell me if I'm wrong, but the the stat sheet that you gave me to run my recap in the Parsons Sud said you had 18 hits and one of them was a double and the rest were singles. No, no, that's correct. That's, that's correct. It, I mean, I understand, you know, I'm, that's not an, I'm not saying teams can't have, you know, it, obviously extra base hits are rarer than every other hit. That's just simple math. 17 out of 18 is intentional. That's like you say, be intentional. That was that's intentional. You you told me that you wanted to shorten up your swings after you really struggled against Columbus. That was a 15-0 loss at home. I'm sure I didn't feel great. Uh how take me through that game offensively, you know, putting together 18 hits and seven of them are just keeping the line moving. Yeah. So we started yeah, so just going back to the day before, I mean, 15-0 it it made it made us humble, you know. It was it was probably one, you know, so far the worst loss I've had as a head coach at Parsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also one of the worst losses I've had coaching any level, any level. So it made me humble as well. So mm-hmm. we went back to it, and man, we did not quit. These kids still had heart after the game. We had ten players going down the field and in the cages and. We're working with them. Like, mm-hmm. they really understood. We really need to shorten our swings. And they, you know, we've been saying it for the past month before the games, but it just, it, having something to go off of like that has really changed the thing, changed the game. So mm-hmm. the next practice, everyone was in there. We just shortened the swings. Uh, my thing is, it's easier to get five singles than having three doubles. Oh, yeah. So let's just focus on the little things. And chip away and barrel a ball. Now, shortening up the swing, obviously, you're going to take a little pop out of the bat. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like I said, 17 singles, that is a certain, you know, obviously, you're always, in addition to shortening the swing, I'm sure you were trying to have batters put the ball into a hole somewhere, mm-hmm. like just through through the, through the middle or, or, or wherever, wherever the defense was playing. How much of that was a strategic choice to... Uh, you know, take that approach against Gerard. I mean, the the whole thing was. I mean, we we do have some power on the team, <laughs> and when you're struggling, full disclosure, I don't think you're. you're there's you're probably on the bottom fifty percent of power in Class Four. Eh? Yes, in terms uh, of yeah, honestly, yes, that's that's just that's so just were that. the Royals when they won the World Series. And <laughs> that's kind of the approach. Um, uh, we 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 talked about it. it. Was it was our our game plan's death by a thousand cuts and. It is really hard. I've been in those games where you're a pitcher or you're in you're in the field and they are just putting the ball where you're not and there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do about it and that is the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. As as being I've I've been there in the field as a coach like there's putting it where we're not and there's nothing you can do. And mm-hmm. it just it as we <laughs> see as we see in that Gerard yeah. game, they I mean, they were up 8 Eight three nine three on us mm-hmm. first inning. You know, we went in there with a short approach. We got three runs right off the bat. They scored eight, and they were they they were they were riding a high that game. I mean, it's just their mm-hmm. stands, everything, and it took. I told the boys. I said, "Hey, 
we dug ourselves a hole. Now you have to find something that you've never probably found before, or some of mm -hmm. you might have, and you realize it's really hard, but we got to mm -hmm. just chip away, chip away each inning. And that comeback too, obviously that was an up and down game through a lot. What I have always kind of wondered too is, and I'm wondering about your approach with this at Gerard was, uh, I, I believe, and I don't have a science to back this up. It's always, it's one of the few just kind of gut feelings I've always had about athletics. A team that comes back in almost any sport, so if you're down two touchdowns and you came back to tie it, or if you were down eight points in basketball, you came back to tie it. Down five runs in baseball, you come back to tie it. You spend so much emotional energy trying to get back that by the time you you get there, by the time you come back, like in your example, down eight to three, by the time you got it to eight to eight or ten to ten or whatever it was, I see a lot of teams get it to ten to ten and then they lose fourteen to ten because they got there and they just can't sustain it. How did you avoid that very common pitfall that I see a lot of teams fall into? For example, for basketball, I've always had the philosophy, and I tell coaches, if you come back when you hit the bucket that ties it or takes the lead or whatever, call timeout. It, it's antithetical to a lot of what you see in normal basketball of, of oh, I'm not going to call timeout to stop my own run. No, you earned a game reset. Take it. Because how many times do you see the other team just go right down the other end of the floor and retake the lead? I'm curious how you kind of avoid, in, in baseball terms, how you avoided that emotional drain and were able to sustain it through the through the rest of the game and, and finish out with a win. A lot of it, like like I said, this was a team win. I mean, I think I went through pretty much my entire bench as well, like putting putting them in in the game. You had like three or four courtesy runners that scored. Yes, yes. and it's just runners. and it was in that and just. You know, I had a couple of guys, you know, I had three pitchers come in. I was a pitching, you know, that win was, you know, a team, a pitching. I was, a, that was, that was a win by a team right there. Like yeah. three guys coming in. I had brought uh, three guys off the bench. And so that kind of does go with your um, talking about you get to that level. You need, you need a reset. And mm -hmm. by doing that, you just have to trust in some other players coming in and keeping that momentum going like they're fresh it changes things it does yeah. bringing fresh guys fresh guys in they're arrested and ready for the challenge and they're, they're they did it i mean it, that oh, yeah. these this these boys are it was amazing like absolutely. these guys have heart these kids have heart we just don't quit absolutely well, hey, Josh, let's go to a quick break here on the War Room on KOKC Radio. Uh, stick around. When we come back, more Josh Robertson, head coach of the Parsons Vikings baseball team here on the War Room on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Don't go anywhere. We're back here on the War Room on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. I've got Josh Robertson, uh, the Parsons Vikings baseball coach with me. We're talking a little shop. Josh, there's, you know, what you, we talked about that you, you love the X's and O's aspect of the game. A lot of modern evolutions taking place in baseball right now. And one I kind of wanted to go in depth with you a little bit on was uh, how lineups are constructed a little bit. We're seeing more and more teams put their most productive hitters further up in the lineup. And obviously, usually your team's five, ten years ago, your team's best hitter was hitting in the three or four spot uh, to give them the highest, you know, the most productive RBI chances possible. That was, you know, the heart of the order. That was kind of the old philosophy, so to speak. Uh, and it's it's a philosophy that worked for a hundred plus years, and it still works for a lot of teams. There's nothing wrong with it per se, but we are seeing more and more teams all through all levels of baseball and softball 
Start to move those hitters up to your your one and two. You want your most productive hitter getting as many at-bats as possible. Uh, and, you know, the old saying is, or one of the things that analytics has come up with is, so it's not an old saying, it's a new saying. They go, but it's nobody comes to the plate more with nobody on and two outs than the three-hole hitter. Why put somebody in that position routinely? What's you, we're seeing the Angels have Mike Trout bat second, and it goes all the way down to the Parsons softball coach Shelby Liska has her best hitter hit second. And that was one of the first things she said to me when she got the job was, "We're going to have our best hitters higher up in the order to try and get them more at bats." What do you? What's kind of your take on that evolution? Oh, that's the I had the same philosophy. Um, I think early on, I think it was the Cincinnati Reds with Joey Votto mm-hmm. it was like really early on the first time you really seen that, and I was watching a baseball game and I thought the same thing. I was like. Why is Joey Votto batting in the two hole? Yep. He's always, you know, that's your three hole hitter. And mm-hmm. then you just look at the stats. I mean, through, I mean, at all levels, I mean, you play, we pay, we play 20 regular season games. Those guys play 162 games. Yeah. Look how many at bats just moving up from the one, you know, the, 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 the one through three, the two, yeah, or the four to three, three, to yeah, one. three, yeah, three to one. So I think that's, I mean, that's obviously the reason why. Um, I have a player, uh, our two hole hitter, uh, Tay Phillips. Mm-hmm. And, I just I certainly moved him that spot for that same thing. You know, yeah. honestly, he came up to me and his thing was, he said, "Coach, I'm not getting any RBIs batting two hole." <laughs> and I said, "You're going to be on base though, right?" Way more. And the funny thing was, I was like, he had three or four RBIs that first game, and yeah. I said, "He led the team in RBIs batting two hole." <laughs> so, and he was like, "You're right." So, and he's loved that role now, and he's he's probably he. I know for sure he's, if not number one, he's number two in RBIs right now for us. Mm. And so it's been a big, big thing. One thing, this is an opinion that Tim Kirchner wrote in one of his books that I read that I've just held for my life too, is I feel like runs are, I understand, obviously runs are valued, but runs scored as an individual stat is not valued as much as I feel like it should be. And I, my response to Tate would have been, I bet you'll lead us in runs. <laughs> and guess what? Nobody else has to do anything in baseball except score runs to win a game. Yes, yes, <laughs> so. exactly. Like that's how you win a game, you score runs. <laughs> yeah, and I've never understood why that's why that's not valued more because there's a lot of ways you can score runs just besides besides the mathematical movement of any sort of base hit and total bases or whatever. Yes. There, there is such a thing as good a lot of people discount really good base running, being efficient on the base paths and making those Split second decisions to that lead to that extra bag that lead to that extra run. I mean, they all start to compound. No, don't. No, you're exactly right. Uh, for example, you don't have to be the fastest guy on a to to be a good base runner. You don't. It's it's, it's learning, getting good jumps, reading reading pitches. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to have four four speed to, no. to 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 steal bases and move move well on the base path. So, and I knew a couple mm-hmm. leadoffs and. That's kind of what we had when I, back in the day. I, we we didn't really have a lot of speed, but mm-hmm. we just we were very well coached on being good base runners. Yeah. So so and I had that same thing. The uh, another thing too, and I noticed it. I noticed it in an LCC softball game. Uh, their leadoff hitter at All American, uh, Winter Snyder, uh, who was part, who Ryan Phillips finally made the 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 transition to putting her in the leadoff last year. Uh, and I noticed it on the lineup one day, and I go, and I used to say, that's weird, Ryan. Why are you doing that? I've learned not to say that's weird with him right, anymore right. just because he does a lot of 
unorthodox, at least unorthodox to the naked eye and even some of your more ardent observers, but you ask them about it and it'll make sense. And, and so I go, why you put her in a leadoff? And, and I go, well, she never strikes out and she's our highest average. I want her up there as much as possible. Uh, we're seeing that all throughout. One of the things he lets her do too, and this is all more, certainly this is more restricted to situations, bases loaded versus empty bases and everything in between. You're going to have a different approach. We're seeing more hitters, I think, being the given the green light on 3-0. Oh, yeah. Which, 10 years ago, you, you're not getting a job as a coach if you think that's... If for, you thought for, that. It was forbidden. You, yeah. yeah, you were taking 3-0. <laughs> Cardinal, Cardinal sinned to do that. It, it, it was. It really was. But, you know, two outs, nobody on? That's your best chance Why for an not? extra base hit right there. Why is not? Your 3-0 right there. pitch. You, Why not? Fastball down the middle, right? Most, I mean, probably most of the time you're getting a mm-hmm. fastball down the middle because they're they're trying to come back from that 3-0 count. So yeah, yeah. I. <laughs> so you're either going to take a daddy hack at a pitch that's a meatball, or you're going to go on, ba- or mm-hmm. you're going to get yeah. a walk most yep. likely. Yeah. So, I'm curious. Is there anybody on the Parsons roster that you trust to swing in on on 3-0 count? Uh, given so, the right situation, given, like, bases loaded. I'm still putting that takes. Yeah, on. yeah. I mean, I mean, bases loaded. Some situations, yes, they know we we need base runners, mm-hmm. but there there's there's a couple. I I got I got a couple kids that I'm like, yeah, you can go ahead and take that daddy hack, but mm-hmm. it's just I play it, I play it by play by play how the kid how the kids hitting that day feel, and there's just a lot of things that go into it. If he's seeing the ball well, yeah. like for. For a perfect example, I mean, the last two games, we have Brody Boss right now. I think he's gotten out maybe once. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a, he got that first hit off the uh, Seth Stover. <laughs> he was responsible for he the was. extra yes, base yes. hit against yes. Yeah, and he was the only, yeah, he only had, he was, yeah, he's the only one that had an extra base hit against them. So um, when, I'm like, he's seeing the ball like a beach ball. And I've been in those situations yeah. as a player. That ball does look like a beach ball. And mm-hmm. you can just tell. So you just got to really read your kids. And there's probably a psychological effect, too. If, if you put the take sign on for him, for someone who's seeing the ball well, you know what he doesn't have to do for a pitch? Look or see the ball. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you're, 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 you're taking a race car that is driving perfectly around the track at the Daytona 500, and you're telling him, I want you to push the brakes for just like, Two seconds. Yeah, you, that might you, you <laughs> might, might be, yeah. that might take you yeah, right? completely out of your rhythm. Right. Uh, we got you know we got a few minutes left. I wanted to uh, kind of gauge your uh, where you feel like the team's at right now. Obviously, I've asked you this question a couple times. Uh, you guys are two and one right now. Uh, you're you have three home two home league dates and then another home date against Caney Valley coming up this week. Uh, this show airs on a Monday, so a lot of people might be listening to this at the Pittsburgh game here at the yeah, Marble right. Park. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, play it on the loudspeaker, I say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm curious just how you feel. Obviously, you haven't seen a ton of the teams in the league live yet. I- I'm curious how you feel like you're stacking up this year. I know that there's a lot of – there's a it's a pretty wide spectrum. I know teams like Coffeyville are probably going to really struggle this year. Teams like Chanute and Pittsburgh might be – pretty pretty dang tough i'm yes. curious kind of where you see yourself fitting in that mix right now right now in that mix i, I feel we're up there with chanute and mm-hmm. pittsburgh i mean uh, i'm from parsons i've i've played against pittsburgh pittsburgh's always they rebuild well there's always a group that comes in i mean they they pull a lot of kids i think they have like 34 players to where we're at 17 18 17 right now so yep. that's a big difference so we know they're going to be good we're, we're we're preparing for them and we're ready for them mm-hmm. so that's going to be a really good ball game chanute 
uh, man, back when in 2006 and stuff, when we played, they were uh, one or two. It was always a battle between us and Chanu. I mean, that's what they came down to, beat Chanu. Like, that mm-hmm. was our, mo- our motto. So they have great programs over there as well. So they're and, doing and they, really good. They're post program. They're in, that, that infrastructure there has been very healthy for a while. Yes. Uh, one thing I kind of wanted to pick your brain about a little bit uh, was, you know, and this is just kind of another philosophy thing. First off, is you got any other bags of bag of tricks in there? Uh, what's something that uh, that you've picked up that not necessarily is unorthodox? It might be unorthodox, but what's something that you feel like goes against the grain? That's part of your your mentality and philosophy. What goes against the grain? Um, I do have a I do have a lot of bags and tricks. I mean, and, and, and the more that we uh, we start to but right now I, I'm not throwing any of those out there just because. I'm just really my I, I was a you know I'm a, I'm a hitter I I, I yeah my hitting is in coaching and teaching kids how to hit is mm-hmm. one of my strong suits you can you know that's mm-hmm. what I'm well known for you know and so obviously I'm going to attack that first because mm-hmm. our batting average now is leaps and bounds from last year and and I followed the last couple of years you know yep. while I was you know not a coach of you know the Parsons Vikings. I still am Parsons and Vikings alum, and I follow it and talk to it. That's why oh, yeah. I knew that we're a good team. We just have to get better offensively, and so it's starting to show, mm-hmm. show more and more. So last thing, and then the last thing is that that speed you have in the outfield. I I wish I could convince more people of this. You, you will win games because balls didn't fall out out there. I'm fully convinced of that. Oh yeah. No, that's 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 just true, and I I guess moving you know uh, with 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 Landon Wheat, I know before he played infield and mm-hmm. did all that, and but when I seen him, I've never seen him run before until the first day of practice, yeah. and I was like, this kid can fly, you know, Trey mm-hmm. Mack. Like, there's balls that I'm like, he's that's, that's he's not getting there, and he's already standing there waiting to catch the ball he's not even re- <laughs> like he read it off the bat so well there was a play in uh coffeeville i was like why is he standing there that ball is short from the looking at the bat they watching the ball be hit off the bat me looking at the ball then looking at trey he was already in <laughs> position standing there to catch it and i was like never mind he's got it so so and and uh jj he made a play with that crazy wind i mean it was mm-hmm. ridiculous in gerard that wind was yeah. blowing a ball that was going foul would end up at shortstop mm-hmm. like it was crazy and so there was a one play jj you know it was it was a foul ball but it was going outside came back in almost to the foul line he probably ran forever to get there and still almost i it, it got it in his glove and just mm-hmm. you know just barely snow coned it but i was like I, just the fact that you even got there is amazing to me so no and that's I, an out yeah 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 yeah. exactly exactly and so no having a good outfield i think there's like been two hits that have may have fell mm-hmm. like but from from fly balls and as a coach you never want to have the mentality and tell your pitchers hey maybe pitch the ball up more so that that we can get more fly balls I'll, I'll never there's say that. <laughs> right that's my unorthodox. Like, yeah, this is a lot of fly balls. We, we, want our, we want our pitches elevated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Wow. No, yeah, yeah. 
I don't, yeah. No coach, coach, any other coach would be like, you're crazy. <laughs> you're crazy. Great. Well, hey, that'll do it for the war room. Josh, thank you so much for coming on. Open door policy. You're welcome on the show anytime I'll have you. Uh, and I'm sure I'll be annoying you to come on here in the future. But uh, good luck the rest of the way. Uh, excited to watch you guys play this week. You guys, you're, you alone, you and Shelby Bliska are keeping me busy this week. I've got three home dates I get to cover. Yeah, so, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, it should be fun. Uh, more, that is the war room here on KOKC radio. Thank you to Josh Robertson, uh, the head coach of the Parsons Vikings baseball team for coming on. I'm your host, Sean Fry. Everybody stay safe and God bless.